You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the film episode of Seattle Overload, where Griffin and I will recap the Seahawks' victory. Yes, they're going to win every week. But this time, the Seahawks' victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. And the tape was nice because this was a blowout win. And on both sides of the ball, that's offense, defense. We weren't degenerate enough to delve into the kicking special team stuff. Sorry about that. But on both sides of the, the ball, there was some really dominant stuff, which, I mean, it's not really a surprise, but it's always nice when it's not just them getting lucky. There is a lot of like quality play, quality scheming, nice X's and O's. The whiteboard, I'm... I can't be bothered to do it today. But also, I thought we'd try out uh, showing some pictures and some drawings rather than the whiteboard. See how that goes. See how you guys find it. We're, we're still sort of finding our feet with this one. Griff, we're going to start with the offense. Okay. The Seahawks offense, quarterback by Geno Smith and led by running back NFC ground player of the week, Kenneth Walker III. Apparently, uh, some some beat reporters say he prefers Ken. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, yeah, he's a Ken. So he's we'll Ken. call him Ken. <laughs> he's a Ken. Okay, Griff. Not quite perfect from Gino, but then there's some circumstances around him that prevented that. But it was pretty good. Yeah, it was another like, wow, he played that well and still could have been better type of game. Um. And again, like when he's imperfect, there's still a theme of like when he's moved off his spot in the in the pocket and he's made plays all, all year where he has been moved and pressured in the pocket. But then all of his like, 
you know, oh, he missed an opportunity here and there. It's when he is moved in the pocket. So like that, that further speaks to the potential of the offense because as the offensive line keeps getting better week to week with the occasional lapse, right? But as they keep getting better, that just means theoretically there should be fewer and fewer missed opportunities from Gino. Um, so, and then on the flip side is that means he's getting the most out of what the pocket does give him most of the time, you know? Um, so it's just, it's like, if you're, if you're going to be imperfect, be imperfect on those counts, because that means that the whole offense will go as, you know, the supporting cast goes, you know, um, and Gina will take advantage of it. So yeah, it was, um, it was still a really, really good game from him and everyone else for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the, the pick was again, you watch the tape back. Okay. He does play the ball with his off arm and, you know, there is that hook, which I think probably should have been defensive pass interference, but I, I don't really have an issue with Gino on that necessarily. Maybe a tiny bit late, but then you have to throw it late because Lockett's turning to that side and he hadn't quite turned and just a weird kind of fluky play. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I most of the stuff from Gino that I thought could have happened was the pass pro not quite holding up for him to hit the tertiary read that like when Gino's really on it, you know, obviously requires... Uh, excellent pass pro but when Gino's really on it it's when yeah he ex he hits the open like first and second stuff but also he's given the platform and given the protection to then find you know his third or even fourth things right right um and on the the, in, the interception to lock it um you can tell that that didn't deter him at all because then he hit another stick route to dk with identical spacing proximity to the defender and yeah, he was tackled right away, but you can tell he didn't double clutch later in the game. It was like he didn't let it affect him at all. Um, the one play where I thought it was on him um, was that um, that comeback route to Marquise Goodwin on the, the far side of the field where the defender jumped it, got underneath it. I thought on the broadcast, I just assumed that he was late, but he actually wasn't late. He got it out on time. He just didn't put it wide enough. The ball died on him a little bit. Yeah, so and it was I, to the wide side of the field, right? Yeah, yeah, and he just if he's gonna try to throw those, he just has to put it out wider and, and put more on it, tap into more of his um, mm -hmm. arm strength. Um, he he got lucky on that one. Then there was the one floater in the end zone. I mean, yeah, he was just trying to throw the ball away. It was a heads up play from the defender, but you know it would have been one of those plays where if they did intercept it, but I thought well, that's really unfortunate. But I don't I don't know if I put that on Gino per se. No, um, just you know be a little bit more conservative and then throw it further out of the end zone next time, I guess. Um, yeah. At the same time though, aren't there uh, intentional grounding rules throwing through the end zone? Can it not be too far away? Or am I imagining that? Cause I know Tom Brady got flagged for intentional grounding when he I mean, threw it out of the random, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can always yeah. argue there was a guy vaguely near the back of the end zone. Right, for sure. All in all, though, twenty for twenty-seven, a little over two hundred yards, two touchdowns. Um, uh, clutch on third down, attacked downfield, and, and we'll talk. Get into how they attacked downfield, um, and then when it was time to you know 
take what the defense gave them. He did it in quick game and then he did it in the, you know, the intermediate stuff. Um, protection held up for the most part, you know, only, only two sacks. Um, and I think one of them came on, th- I think both of them came on third down. Yes. Um, so, so he's not, he's not setting the defense back on early downs at all. Yeah. And he's taking the sacks in the pocket when he's not like, you know, scrambling around. He's trying to give the the progression life. So, you know, um, yeah. So this game plan. Well, well, well. Before that, okay. on a on a wider point, the Seahawks' offense in true drop back situations. So removing designed rollouts, spikes, run pass option, read option passes, basic screens running back or wide receiver passes, wide receiver reverse passes, double reverse passes, flea flickers, other. Um, so just true drop-back situations. They're second in points and per play behind only the Chiefs uh, and literally 0.001 behind the Chiefs. And then in all passing plays, they are second in points and per play ahead of the Chiefs and behind the Eagles. And obviously their, their uh, figure is boosted by... Jalen Hurts' ability to uh, move around a bit more. But I think also the fact they're ahead of the Chiefs and that shows that, you know, Gino has mobility and and an and ability to extend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously Mahomes can do that, but I think, uh, yeah, Gino's probably done it a bit more this season. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool watching him take off when he does because it's like very – last resort but then he's very decisive when he does it he has a very clear plan and i think that's him knowing pre-snap where the holes are in the coverage and he's like he has it in his back pocket like if i do take off here i know where i'm going and why like on one of that first third down i think or maybe the second one that third and one to mark where he dumps it off to marquis goodwin um he he goes to the, the the front side of the concept and it's like a designed no play action rollout right and he quickly realizes nothing materializes. So he immediately he's like, all right, well, we went four strong and their coverage is flooded. So I know that if I can get to my left, I've got I've got the the crossing route coming back or I can convert on my legs. And he could have converted with his legs, right? He could have. He, yeah. he had Marquise Goodwin there and he picked up, I think, an explosive, didn't he? Like 20 plus yards on it, something close to that anyway. Um, um, Fant was kind of open over the middle, right? Sort of sitting down, like, "Oh, this is my shot," and uh, it went elsewhere. But um, <laughs> it was, it was, again, it was good process. Hold on, I can, uh, I can share that. There we go. This is very exciting. Whoa, is Matty is Matty going to mess up and share some details he doesn't want to share, or is Matty just going to share what he wants to share? Matty's going to uh, dox himself. <laughs> there you go that's the play you can see it good win wide open uh fan was open as well um you can see my mouse as well there you go and we must not press play otherwise then we'll be demonetized and copyright strikes. Th- this is what the picture looks like after he he starts scrambling though right yes well he's just about to you see he's under pressure from kyle van noy because I think, because of the fact that this is a rollout, he's thinking high-low on the corner. I've got Lockett on the corner. High-low on the the, the 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 corner back. You've got Lockett on the corner route. And then 
is that Walker in the flat, right? Yeah. So he's thinking little quads. Yeah. And then you've got Marquise coming. And the I guess the Chargers don't pass him back correctly. No. Um Yeah, but it's like even when he does scramble, he knows what he's doing. You know, it, it, it's sure. cool to watch. I mean, he's cre- he's 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 um struck a balance between creativity and decisiveness. It's very cool. Agreed. And Overall, again, highest completion percentage in the NFL, but crucially with the 11th highest intended air yards per pass attempt. Yeah. Fourth he, highest on target percentage. And like, even if you break him down 20 plus yards, I mean, whatever yard bracket you want, like 16 plus yards, 20 plus yards, the, the 20 to 30 yard bracket, he's like top five in all of that. And some of them top one or two. Yeah. Um. It's crazy, but it's not. It's not out of left field. Like, like I've said this. We said this all last spring. You were first. You were first. It's okay. You were first. Um, I just didn't want you to cope too hard. I, I I mean, I was just being a good friend. Okay. I was. I mean, even myself. I was talking myself down off the ledge. The whole not. No, what's the opposite of that metaphor? I was talking myself down from down on the ledge. That's a bit dark. Um. Yeah. Because I was like, well. I don't know. I'm not just going to take this information at face value. That doesn't mean he's going to be one of the best deep ball throwers or one of the best throwers in the intermediate, but sure (laughs) enough, he kind of is now. Um, But yeah, like when he was at the jets, like I think his 2014 year, you can go Google the, uh, the PFF QB is in focus where you can look at their completion percentages at different yard brackets because that data Mm. isn't available anywhere else, at least publicly. And he's like, top five in the 20 to 30 yard bracket in 2014 on the jets. Um, and it's like, well, he's always had this, like what we saw snippets of last year at the Seahawks when he was starting, he was accurate downfield. Sure. Even in the games where they didn't go downfield very much, I'm like, Oh, he can make the throws. Okay. So I see what Pete's saying when he says he has all the throws mm. and you go find that jet stat, you watch some jets games and you're like, okay, that's something he has. That's in his holster. He 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 can throw the ball in those windows, um, and sure enough, it's just when you put him onto a team that has a talented O line and put him on a team with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, it's strength reinforcing strength. So, um, in on some level, this should have been predictable, and maybe internally they knew it was, you know. Well, it seems that way, right? quietly confident right. and i mean this is obviously one of the better case scenarios but you know they you know how optimistic pete carroll is i'm sure he saw this being how it was going to play out now he may have been one of the more optimistic guys in the building on it but yeah well, he, he's like, optimistic for the hell of it but yeah <laughs> just living on vibes uh so game plan obviously with dk metcalf going out and as I said yesterday, my source says he, he's expected to be out for two to four weeks, if not slightly longer. And that information obviously may have changed in like three days. But with Metcalf going out, the Titans became an even bigger part of the, the game plan. Disley played six, 76% of the snaps. Fant played 73% of the snaps. And then Colby Parkinson played 38% of the snaps. So that's, you know, within that you can envision a chunk of 13 personnel but also a lot of two tight end 12 personnel looks uh 
I mean, the, 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 I, don't, I don't think like the tight ends will continue to be an even bigger part of the, of the plan. I found it interesting that uh, Pete Carroll on his ESPN Monday show, he mentioned the the condensing of formations when he was asked about the, the tight ends usage and how it's advantageous to kind of narrow the edge down and how the tight end thing is sort of Waldron's version of that. So rather than like condensed 11 personnel like they like the Rams did, right? Mm-hmm. With, they just do it with tight ends and you just get different matchups, but still with like in 13 personnel, you know, a real cluster. And as we right. spoke about the full house stuff and how that kind of creates opportunities. And I guess they they reserve that for the tight ends because obviously when you have tight ends, you're going to be condensed most of the time anyway. But when you do go 11 personnel and you've got receivers like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you want to emphasize their, abil- their ability to stretch the field horizontally and vertically. Right. So, yeah. So it, it, you want to, you want to stretch them out more. So, but obviously Shane Waldron knows the benefits of condensing things down. Cause like he said, it makes the blockers more available. And then if that makes the, more guys be potential blockers that makes the defense respond to blocks and then thus that makes play action all the more effective right he he can still get that that element out of the 12 and 13 personnel like you're saying um in the in the occasional um well no the full house stuff like you said um but yeah so it's uh it's, it's a good combination there um and then within that personnel package we saw a little bit more running this week than we've seen in past weeks and again that's also probably related to when dk went out because they came out pretty pass heavy in the in the first two drives um um but they they really stressed those under center runs with walker um you know part of that is the chargers you know too high world you want to punish them for that but then when they do go one high they do play a good deal of um cover one you still want to run enough when they when they load the box up so that they will continue to load the box up when they see under center so that those play actions will hit. And then when they did run their play actions, they were fairly successful off of under center. Um, but um, I think also the run game is just working. Yes. So, like they're just, you ha- you can't go away from it when it's giving you that yardage. Um, so so there's, there's that side of it too. Um, yeah. Uh, Pat or Maddie, did you have anything else to say about the, 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 that aspect of it, the tight end usage, the, the under center run game? Well, we can, we can share, uh, to the point about, you know, the kind of spatial ability that, uh, that this allows them to, to maximize and your point about horizontal leverage. This was an early example where you had this look where fan actually started over here and then he motioned or shifted so he starts in the full house look, he shifted to a wing look to the right, which creates a one-on-one to the Metcalf. They then released everyone to the right with Metcalf on the left. So they basically put four strong, which is quite an unusual flow. Uh, the Chargers, who are obviously more of like a two-high team, um, they rotated down to the four strong look because it's very difficult to... It's a natural way of flooding the coverage, right, of getting the right numbers uh-huh. to that. But you have to compensate by leaving a one-on-one backside. And Metcalf ran a slant, and he's one-on-one, and he gets a pass interference penalty. But like, there's a lot of space here that um that got him 
isolated. But, uh, yeah. No, it's not going to work. <laughs> but anyway, this linebacker basically, the, mid, the, the linebacker who would ordinarily have been underneath that was basically looking to the other side. So mm -hmm. very effective stuff. And yeah, I, I, I suspect with Metcalf's absence, that will continue, right? That will only get grow, only only get larger. Agreed. And it will also provide an opportunity for, you know, Fant to really, I mean, he got opportunities this game, didn't quite capitalize on all of them, mm. but it will give him an opportunity to really be a, a fixture downfield. And then, of course, Goodwin flashed a lot this game. He, he could did. become a regular. And then also Eskridge. Um, you know, he had a rough game, but like we said in the recap, not necessarily at the receiver aspects, but more so other things. But that's still, you know, those aren't good, you know. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see who steps up, who continues to step up. That'll be interesting. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe Will Disley's the guy to lean on, in all honesty. Maybe. I mean, you you can't use him in the same ways you'd use Fan, you know. Yeah, Fan got but, some like Fan got some athlete kind of uh, opportunities in this game. It felt yeah. like, and he didn't quite capitalize on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he like, looks good running a, the routes. And he does he, look really good. There's just like maybe it's just a chemistry thing with Gino because like you know, wheel root up the sideline, not quite. Then Gino like yeah. rifles in that that kind of cover two uh, shot Andrew. down the down the pipe where you kind of like, didn't seem ready for it. Right, as though he was like not expecting the ball, which is a bit unusual given he's running that kind of bending seam route into right. the open space. And then he had that one over route, and I mean he 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 uh, attacked the ball in the air well enough. It's just his hands weren't stronger than the defender. The defender made a great, the safety made a great play breaking it up. But sure, that ball couldn't have been better though from Gino in very tight space. You, yeah. you 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 pause the play on the end zone angle when he releases that ball, and you look at where Fan is relative to the mic tranquil, and he's like a full two yards to the left of tranquil. And by the time the ball hits Fan's hands, he's a full yard past him, and with the safety bearing down on him, it's just crazy. Um, anyway, so this game plan in the air, the passing game, the Best. general theme that I extracted was that wherever wherever whatever coverage the chargers were in seattle mm -hmm. was walder and gino they were very um explicit about their intention to attack the weak spots to get downfield like this wasn't a oh we're going to take what the defense gives us type of game although that was still present it was we're pushing the envelope we're going to go wherever the opportunities are downfield and we're going to take it like because those opportunities are super narrow but they are there and St brandon staley knows that he knows okay if they go deep this is how you do it right right it's just that seattle did that and they succeeded i'd say on the day and even where they didn't quite succeed 100 percent, their structure and process was still good so like um yeah when they were a lot of downfield um root concepts as well right yeah yeah um but like when they're in quarters or to the quarter side of a combo coverage um it's like you've got the outside release fade or go right they they hit two of them to marquis goodwin for touchdowns they nearly hit dk on the one where i think the one where he ended up getting hurt toward the um end zone um 
where he caught it but was pushed out of bounds just barely you know mm-hmm. um it's like that's where you've got a one-on-one down the sideline in quarters you know it's they it's, say it's too high you're capping explosives you are but you're really capping explosives from the slot receiver or tight end yeah. right as far as the outside release goes on the outside, it might as well be cover one or cover three. It's the same, same principle. So, um, and Gino, perfect placement on, on those for the most part. And then also in quarters, like they threw sale at him a couple of times. The one where Tyler drew DPI, you know, sale, you, you run off the outside defender and then you've got a leverage advantage on the slot defender. And it's like, he's running into free space. Um, they didn't get a reception, but they, got a penalty and maybe it would have been a reception if the defender didn't um, kind of hook Tyler's hip there. So it's like, that's awesome. Um, you know, against one high, like they had Fant on the wheel um, and they didn't connect on it, but that's them like, you, you know, cover one Going or cover field. three. Yeah. Go wheel post wheel. That's how you get there. Right. Cover two, they're running benders. Like they're, and they're gunning it. You know, cover one, cover three, the deep over to fan. Like they're like they're going for it, you know. So do you think um, they thought this was going to be more of a shootout than it was? Uh, that's a good point. I think well, I wouldn't go that far. I think really it's just them having confidence in their ability to take advantage of matchups. Mm-hmm. It's you know, like why would you to this point with what they've done this season? with the personnel they have at receivers and what's been working for them, why would you hesitate? You know, like they, they put their foot on the gas when they came out of the game plan. And then I, the other reason why they ran so much was because they got in control of the game on two separate occasions, really with the second, second quarter lapse. But then in the third quarter, they got control of the game. It's like, okay, now we'll run the clock out. Yeah. I think I agree. It's like a matchup thing where, you know, I think even Denver, they managed to show there were some weaknesses going on here. And JC Jackson, uh, before he got injured, like he, he was struggling this season. I think they just thought we have better guys than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it kind of, that kind of proved it. Uh, it was really cool that uh, Goodwin touchdown, seeing Goodwin marked up, uh, uh, mic'd up afterwards, saying how uh, Gino told him rather than running a comeback, uh, to to run a fade route, which is perfect against cover four, and this kind of it was trips, right? But um, they condense the split of the three and the two, which basically creates this one on one between uh, Goodwin and the cornerback on the outside to the to the wide side of the field as well. So a lot of room, and so perfectly run route. And what Goodwin was describing is how he was getting this cornerback to think post because. If he's on an island out here and the middle of the field's open anyway because it's cover four to that side at least, then he's like, well, oh man, I need to stop the post. And so Goodwin really closed space to create space, like stepping on his toes, running inside before breaking to the corner. And Gino was real on target with him. Those two have a connection. Like they have yeah. a real connection. Yeah. Um, and like Marquis, even though he's 32, his speed is still elite. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has these feels, for, that feel for those routes that you talked about, um, with him probably getting more snaps this this game, I wonder if we see him starting to be ran on more posts, and if we see him, yes, you know, please, yes, um, yes, please, because like in San Francisco, that one year he had, I mean, he had like a fifty five percent catch rate, but nine hundred yards. That's because Shanahan was using him as a deep threat. 
Yeah. And he could he could run those intermediate routes, but they didn't need him to do that because they had other guys on the roster that could handle it. So that, so he just said, You're my post threat, you're my you know, deep over threat. Um, obviously you've got Tyler Lockett, who's one of the best in the you know world at that, but uh over a uh, skill set overlap is really useful there. Maybe we see some uh classic post Yankee, you know. There we um, go. More of a or post cross well, rather, which is Yankee, you know, anything. Um mm corner post from him off of you know under center play action like the the flood stuff right that we saw in the saints game with tyler on that deep post on the one-off play action not the one to end the half like let's see marquise in that role see what happens um why not have some fun yeah and the thing is like defenses are probably still sleeping on him a little bit if, if a free safety has tyler lockett running it over he's gonna feel compelled to nail down on that and that's where Marquise Goodwin, you know, the double move on the corner could come in. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I want to see it. So you you mentioned the run game, but it seems, I don't know if I'm just seeing stuff or, I mean, it's all anecdotal, but it seemed they were getting pretty good displacement across the board and maybe they're starting to really get things together. I mean, changing up the... Uh, they're kind of forced to do it of Jackson's injury, but having Haynes in a right guard and then Lewis at left guard, mm, that switch may have set them back a bit. And I think they're sort of finding their feet again now. And the other factor is obviously a different running back back there in Walker. But I mean, it was really cool, for instance, Walker's first touchdown where they're kind of finding ways to get him comfortable. So like his first touchdown didn't come on this, but they had gun guard tackle wrap where he said he liked counter in the past and then uh here they had a uh like 13 personnel on his first touchdown run but from the shotgun as though like hey let's um <laughs> let's try and get you a bit more comfortable here and hitting things a bit quicker because i think his issue is uh and pa- there's always a place for patience right but his issue seems to be sort of overdoing it at times mm-hmm. um he just needs to hit the hole uh and and understand that the stuff that you may have been able to press and then get access in college, it doesn't really work in the NFL. The, the, the margin for sort of creativity is, is less, uh, yeah. although it still exists. And, you know, on some of his best stuff, he is setting up blocks really well and, yeah. and sort of, uh, uh, dancing around in a, in a very unique way. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, it's like when it seems like he is being too patient, like you said, um, it's like he's reading hats to a fall. Like the 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 gap could be really wide, but they can mm. still see a hat in the gap and go, okay, that cancels my read. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. He'll, or he'll try to press in a little bit and get that guy to come back a little bit and then go back out. Whereas Todd Gurley and I use him because he's we've seen him operate in the exact same scheme, right? If he sees that gap, he is shooting that thing, even if there's a hat or shoulder in the gap. Sees any color in the gap, he's shooting it regardless. And he might give a little subtle thing to kind of give himself an angle. And that's where I think like with Walker, it's it's him trying to balance being too perfect with, you know, that that patience where being patient, patient is really good and, and has served him, right? Because a lot of these big runs, it's him being super patient and the, and the right thing happening because of that. So it's like some of these, I mean, we're talking about like potential six yarders, like, take let the guy hit you and then you drag him forward with your momentum 
you know, and where, and they're turning into two yarders. Um, and he thinks, oh, that's only four yards. I could get a bigger play. But it was like, no, it could actually be five, six yards if you hit that and, and let the guy, you know, like that's the best you're going to get. Just take it. So if he starts, if his median run starts to climb in junction with all these explosives and, and other run, runs that he has, it's like, I don't know, man, look out. You know, that's, uh, I don't know what, what we've got on our hands at that point. I mean, it's, yeah. it'd be kind of crazy. And, 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 um, you turning back to your initial point, uh, the, the blocking up front and the interior is really good. Like Damian Lewis, Austin Blythe looks like, I don't know. He looks like Jason Kelsey right now. Um, and Oof. indeed, um, Haynes, like those guys were moving people. So, um, yeah, it was good stuff. and, and we should, we should mention, like, I know the chargers front in general is weak right now, but they mm-hmm. still have a guy on that team named Sebastian Joseph day, who on the Rams was a monster. One of the best. He made that whole thing game. work when, 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 uh, I simultaneously rejoiced and also, uh, got upset because I was like, yes, he's left the Rams and we don't have to right. deal with that kind of BS. But then I was like, oh no, Staley's finally getting, not that I hate Van Staley, but Staley's finally getting his, you know, thing to make the two high fits work. Right. So I don't know if he regressed or if Austin Blythe just went sicko mode for three hours last Sunday because he was moving him. He doesn't all have Aaron Donald next to him. Maybe that's part of yeah. it. But yeah. He was legit for the Rams. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, sick home mode life. Uh, how did the tackles look to you in pass protection? Because that's a, I, I forgot Bosa wasn't um, healthy, but Mac yeah. is no joke, and Van Noy has like a speed rush and pa- uh, speed to power, which is a kind of different, uh, different kind of problem for these dudes to what they're ordinarily used to. Yeah, I, I mean, Khalil, uh, Charles Cross dominated Khalil Mack. And like I tweeted this, how does how does how does Charles Cross go from shutting down Marcus Davenport in the Saints game to getting bullied by Majay Sanders? Davenport is like 280 bull rusher with crazy get off. Yeah. And Majay Sanders is a 240 speed rusher. So he goes from dominating the 280 guy to getting dominated by the 240 guy in power moves. And then and then he goes and dominates one of the most complete edge rushers of all time in Cleo Mack, whose speed to power is as devastating as Marcus Davenport's. How how does he how does that happen? I know Cleo Mack's having a little bit of a down year, but the traits are still there. Yeah. He had a crazy snatch move against Mack. Yeah. And that that's the stuff from college where like he has like a like he's got his guy, he's got himself a little bag of tricks. Charles Cross does, and we're finally seeing some of that you know, with his handwork. Um, yeah. So that was crazy. And then on the other side, Lucas, I mean, Lucas had a really good game. He, I mean, he took care of his business. He got maybe moved once or twice where, it, you know, you could say, okay, bad rep. But beyond that, I mean, he was just fine. The tackles were fine. And the guards were fine too. There was a couple of play where Damian Lewis got bull rushed on one. And then he seemed fine outside of that. Then when Jake Curhan was in, he had some bad reps and protection. Um, but I like that they're giving Jake reps, though. Um, what's fu- what? So they gave Jake Curran reps. Let's talk about that. Probably just to kind of give him, you know, he deserves to play, right? Because he's a good player in the same vein sure. that they were letting Haynes play. 
but if if they when they switch to a run heavy script in the second half you have a lead you're trying to finish teams off get jake he's the closer he's the close because he was still blocking people in the run game so um and so is haynes but it's like yeah get get jake in there let let him be let him finish the game off in the run game maybe that's what the uh concussion uh spotters were actually doing they just wanted to see some mooling pancakes from oh i forgot about that yeah that was why haynes left but but that's that's cool we can credit the seahawks for there goes my conspiracy theory yeah 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 yeah. all right have you got anything else in your french griff I mean, there's a lot um, of exciting things, but are we are. No, my point is, are we ready for a defensive transition? We're ready for the defensive transition. Wow, how exciting! So, uh, they made Herbert look pretty bad, and coming into this game, as you've wrote in your wonderful notes, the <laughs> Chargers had mildly above-average efficiency coming into this week, but they had their three the third. Worst third worst <laughs> <laughs> who's the their script third worst performance of the week Jeez. against Seattle's defense they're, so their third their third worst performance of, of the season against Seattle's defense and honestly like I don't know how you're measuring that but uh you know uh, they EPA. padded their stats they are oh, by EPA okay well they padded their EPA anyway uh especially towards the end of the game and there's um, a lot to unpack, but I think for me the major major story is what Seattle did up front. Yeah, yeah, and um, so it's good that they held like they another week actually two weeks in a row now of not just playing good defense but dominating the opposing passing game. And you know you you want to put it in perspective. Well, they're injured at receiver. Herbert himself is injured. Yeah, fair. Um, but if you're going to play someone like that, then dominate them. And they did. It's not like they had a slightly good game. They had a great game, right? Um, so, and, and Herbert did, outside of what's not related to his injury, he did miss some opportunities. Um, but again, if if the the difference between not missing those opportunities and missing them makes you go from having a pretty good game to a great game, then that kind of still proves the point that they played really well um yeah well what, what they did up front maddie do you, do you want to talk about that the fronts the techniques sure as i as i pull up the image but what was big was uh and you described this really well actually and i was uh, in a way which was much more succinct than what i was had planned but rather than being like a three three five which they call penny clint hurt revealed it nice question mike dugar uh they call three three five penny where it's three interior defensive line two outside linebackers on the edge one inside linebacker so that's your three and three being jordan brooks and then your nickel kobe bryant and your uh, strong safety ryan neal and your two outside corners and your deep safety and quantity digs rather than that they actually did a true three three five and how is it true well, it, it meant that they had literally three interior D-line types. Then they had, like, Irvin as an edge-setting outside linebacker. They had Cody Barton off the ball. And then they had Jordan Brooks off the ball. So they still kind of ran bare front looks out of this. So if we get, get this up, 
Um, and, and, and they used basically their nickel, Kobe Bryant, as the second edge. Yeah. Now, against what the Chargers present, that wasn't so much of an issue. So, as you can see here, this is them, they were playing, uh, basically to, to accommodate it. Uh, Bryant would play down to a slot because he's the nickel, he'd go to the passing strength. They'd often play cover four to that side, um, to accommodate it. Rather than play like a bear look, they had the front slid slightly. So they still had a three technique away from Brian. But then rather than a head up nose, they played this nose in a shade, which is fine because he's he'd already looked to knock back the center and win to the backside A gap. And then to enable Brian to cover down, they had the the weak defensive lineman in like a four-eye technique, mirror stepping in in the kind of like the B gap. And that meant Brooks and Barton could really fit downhill, and it meant that the D line up front were playing pretty aggressive, and it kind of, it just worked, and it, it was well suited for what the Chargers were doing. But uh, yeah, what it, were your um, impressions? Well, so I mean, pretty much the same impressions. It it ensures that you can play. So the, the front is even though it's not you've got a you've got a nose and a shade. Uh, the nose is a one technique, then a zero technique. Big Al Woods over the center there. It, it uses the same thing of bare or tight or any odd space front in that you've got both the B-gaps covered. There are no B-gap bubbles. So that, that makes it really a lot easier on the linebackers to defend the run, um, especially when you're out gaps. So they only have to worry about action to the perimeter, um, stuff like that. Uh, makes it a lot easier. Um, but so to me, what, what I gathered of what they were really going for here was they wanted to play nickel but they wanted Cody Barton on the field for specific coverage purposes. And if you want to play nickel and have Cody two, two off ball inside linebackers on the field, their stock way of doing that was playing their four, two, five or two, four, five front personnel. But then that gets you back to square one of having run defense issues. So what they did was really, they, they maintained the kind of this, the, they've been able to maintain uh, the same, advantages and benefits of playing bear more or less by playing this front um and they can get cody out there so they can stay solid for the run and then they can play the personnel package that they want to play so they can play the specific coverages that they want to play and we'll get into what those coverages are and they're just making it fit all together so it smooths out the problems of their of their even space front and nickel and it also allows them to be able to play the, the coverages they want to play basically. So, so they're, they're, they're finding the midpoint between personnel and organizing themselves and, and front and everything to just to get it all worked together. It's, it's just gives them more flexibility because they still ran their two, four, five, this game, but it was in more pure passing downs. Um, like if you look at this picture, you still have a problem. If your four man rush, three of them are still 300 pounders. That means the only guy that's giving you any real speed is Bruce Irvin on the other side or replace him with Daryl Taylor or Nuosu or Maffei, right? It's the same thing. You only have one of those guys. So you're, you're still presenting the same problem as you would in the three, three, five penny stuff or the five, one, five look right. And penny um, pass rush wise, but it's, at, it's slightly alleviated in, in the angles being a bit friendlier. Yeah. Uh, having a one tech to the, to the, the four eye type, but yeah, the, yeah. the types are still you need Michael Bennett. You need Michael Bennett because he could defend where Shelby's defending and give you legit edge rush. 
Um, and you for have a fifth a, round oh, pick. For a fifth, oh my gosh, Matthew. Yes. Um, so as you take well, a glug of uh, yeah. hopefully coffee. Um, Not coffee. I have to get up in about twelve hours. So. <laughs> wow, wow. There you go. Um, so yeah, it basically gives hours. you an. <laughs> Ten and a half hours, actually. There you go. It basically gives you an extra adjuster because rather than it looking like uh, a 5-1 or a 5-3, and so you only have so many coverage options off the ball, this is kind of halfway between being a 5-2 and like a... a like well, like a three four, right? Like a you mm-hmm. you have two off ball guys and the nickel, and you can have the strong safety involved if you want him as well. And so if you go to like this uh, kind of look where they actually had Kobe Bryant playing down as the edge, mm-hmm. but then suddenly Diggs is able to get involved, and you have these linebackers as well. So it's, the, it's giving you an extra guy. The, the the most succinct way to put it is just imagine base three four personnel, and then you replace one of the outside linebackers with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and, and then you slide there, the front to accommodate him. Now there were also some examples where they were in this personnel, but then they would kick the the end to the nickel side to a five tech. So it was Quentin yes. Jefferson. That so was quite early. So I, I that was if, super early on. I wondered if that was. Um, I need to go back and look at that. I don't know if that was like getting comfortable with it or I don't know. But so like that kind of presents the same issues as when they're in their two, four, five, even space where they can't defend the run. But if you simply replace one of the 250 guys with a 290 guy in Quentin Jefferson, you're a lot better suited to defend the run now. Um, so I think I think this package gives them the versatility to kick to a five when you want to and still play the four eye when you want to. Yeah. Um, and, and it was so funny seeing Brian blitz off the edge like here, um, yeah. like in like a Sam and Will style double edge pressure blitz, but <laughs> it's a nickel yeah. doing it and it literally looks like a pure bare front. But uh, yeah. And you have to send the nickel every so often. So you do, keep to keep it honest, yeah. Yeah. But your guy, uh, our guy, Cody Barton, really impressive in coverage, especially to the weak scene. Yeah, so, and that meant more quarter, quarter, half, meaning you're playing cover two to the weak side and quarters to the strong side. So to the side that where there are more receivers, you're playing quarters. To the side you're playing less receivers, you're playing, to the side that has less, fewer receivers, sorry, you're playing cover two. Um, whereas normally they flop that, they play half, quarter, quarter. But knowing that... Um, the Chargers play so much two by two formation. So they'll put two receivers on one side and two on the other, where the second one is a tight end. That's still the passing weakness, but the numbers are the same. And Gerald Everett is really fast up the seam. And so if you're going to play half quarter quarter, that means you're going to get essentially that weak seam on a one-on-one with the, with the safety. And there's a lot of space there and a really aggressive safety can nail down on that. But these going to give a little bit more space because you still have the weak number one receiver to worry about you know you're playing two to one in your quarter technique so seattle didn't want to give herbert that look because herbert will throw benders over against almost any look by bender i mean a seam route that starts to bend a little bit more toward the open space against too high coverage in the middle you know like call it middle of the field open so that seam bends so therefore it's kind of like a post 
um, but they call those routes a bender. So they ran that route seven, eight times this game. And on five of them, Kobe, Kobe or Cody Barton was in coverage on it. So they're playing cover two, like Maddie's showing there. And really, Cody Barton um, is playing a technique called the vertical hook. But really, for the purposes of this, if that number two receiver, which is the tight end, if he runs up the seam, Cody just has to go play, match him, carry him all the way up there. Um, and I posted a cut up on Twitter. I mean, five snaps, step for step with him, um, Gerald Everett, whoever it was. And he was only targeted once. And on the one time he was targeted, Herbert had to throw it where the only place it could go is a back shoulder throw. And he forcing him to throw it right into the the safety leverage. Ryan Neal, that was the one where Neal had that pass breakup. Mm-hmm. And it was like perfect coverage from both of them. But it's like Justin Herbert is literally one of the best in the league at it. The one time he does throw, it's a perfect ball. The only way that ball gets completed. And Cody makes it as hard as possible to even get the throw off. So it's just like that's that's something that very few linebackers in the league can do. Seattle happens to have two of them, but only one can play Will at a time, right? So I think they they were they wanted Cody on the field. They wanted to play nickel, but they wanted to defend the run too. So that's why we saw Nick four. Uh, that's why we saw this personnel package with two inside linebackers paired with nickel this game, uh, for that very reason. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, that's clearly Lombardi's like Joe Lombardi. I think that's his name. One of the Lombardis. Um, that's the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Yeah, is it Vince actually? Um this that that's his main like, okay, that's how I get downfield is Herbert throwing seam routes. And we have to attack the inherent soft spots of the coverage. Seattle schematically didn't want to give it to him, but it only works if Cody Barton does his job and I think he did it perfectly. I'm sure he probably got a lot of a lot of props in the film room after the game. Um and when they reviewed the tape, because it doesn't work if Cody doesn't do his job, but he did. Yeah, a great example of the the sort of different technique tweaks that they can do. And obviously, when you've got an extra coverage player out there uh, who's off the ball, then you've got an extra tool to to tweak the techniques and and, and better play routes. Yeah. And, and the problem is you can't play quarter, quarter, half, and you can't play your regular personnel, your nickel personnel, your petty package personnel, because that means that weak defender that weak interior defender is your one of your outside linebackers mm-hmm. you don't want 250 running down the seam so you, you can't play cover six the way you want to play it right here um so you have to play it with two inside linebackers um and it worked so it was it was, it was really cool to see them like recognize we need this skill set there but how are we going to work this with our how are we going to how are we going to solve the conundrum of being the the front and the personnel working together? And this is this is their answer. So it's pretty cool. Um, I think the other big thing this game was maximizing their their four man rush when they were in their true regular three three five nickel stuff. Um, because like yeah, you you play bear because or tight but in this case bear because you want to. Pl- plug the run right you want to be able to stay sound for the run and have numbers in the passing game so you clog up clog up the bubbles but then the problem is you don't have a good four-man rush because again three of them are 300 pounders the other guy is an outside linebacker and um 
the, the spacing isn't great for the other edge who again is a 300 pounder because he's in the B gap, right? So mm-hmm. you're trying to expand out to the C gap. So how do you solve that problem? Well, you have to give the guy that is edge rushing the, the, the 250 guy that is rushing as good of a chance as possible. So, and so you've got two main considerations. One, you want to make sure the coverage, the, the protection doesn't get slid to him. Um, or you want to force one-on-one. So you want to give him as, as clean of a one-on-one as possible. But then the other side of it is you want to keep the offense guessing um, which which backer could rush and which backer could drop. Um, before I get to that second point, though, about which backer's rushing and which backer's dropping, just purely for the guy that is rushing, whenever they did rush to that side, they would have the near three technique, the guy that's in the B gap stunt the a gap so that that means that that guard has to kind of stay home for either to carry the stunt or to stay square for the looper rushing over the top of him that means that the the edge rusher that is rushing gets a clean one-on-one the whole way through so they made sure that whatever side is rushing we're, we're running that same stunt where the three technique rushes the a gap and the nose gap flips over um so that was oh, a clear oh, thing oh hey you know, another example was the three tech kind of picking the tackle for then the edge rusher to loop into the A gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I saw, I mean, I know Nuosu leads the NFL in, in pressures right now, but I think he yeah. had 11 in this game. Absurd. 11? He, he had a very quiet 11, but that's because he had so many of those almost sacks, but he was still affecting the play though. Like, positively right. for the defense so he was everywhere left side rest, right side inside moves power moves outside moves i mean the dude was alive and taylor had a good game too it was another good game for taylor um but, but the, it was uh, interesting he sort of down the stretch he he didn't get much play like i want like even in the clear pass situations i, I wonder if he's hurt or you know managing something well, didn't he actually get dinged up in the middle of the game? Ah. I think he did. That would explain it. So you had your Nwosu moment. I had my Phil Haynes moment. <sighs> yeah, except um, it was with Taylor, but that's fine. Yeah. Oh. You said anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, let's you turn back to the other my other point, though, about the four-man rush. So the other way of keeping getting as much out of a four-man rush and odd spacing is by playing with who can rush and who can drop. So mm-hmm. by toying with that expectation, because then that means the, the offensive line, the quarterback, they have to go, okay, it could be either one of these guys. So at least you have the element of surprise to your advantage if you're the defense. Um, so what? So when you're if you're a nickel and you're playing, say, let's let's assume the three three five stuff. So you've got you know two edge rushers, you know two two hundred fifty pound outside linebackers, right, and the three interior guys. If the, the defense, the offensive line, the quarterback is like, all right, which one of these guys is rushing? I'm going to first identify, okay, where's the nickel? And, okay, I f- say the nickel's to my left and I'm Justin Herbert. I'm going to then assume that the linebacker to that side is rushing. Because right. if you if you drop him, you're going, okay, the only way this can work, assuming the too high shell presentation holds and assuming a four-man rush, right? If they drop him, that would then mean that Jordan Brooks pushes to the weak curl or quarter flat. Chenna Nwosu is now the middle hook defender, and Kobe Bryant stays. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense for that coverage. So therefore, I know Nwosu's rushing, 
and Daryl Taylor is dropping. So mm-hmm. that's how that's how you know from there you know where to slide the protection or at least the offensive line, the left tackle or right tackle knows who to key and who not to key, right? Yes. So the way you play with that um, that assumption is one, yes, you you give them the look that they think every so often, right? In fact, most of the time you could you could argue. But then if to play with that assumption, you then, okay, if I do drop Nuosu so that they can't just make the assumption of knowing who's rushing and who isn't, you have yeah. to then switch the coverage up. So they, they would indeed drop him, but they would kind of drop him into that bonus hook and then spin the safety down and then play cover three. So it's not such an easy, so that's an easy drop, but then you're playing a coverage that fits it, um, that that accommodates that drop for the outside linebacker because you don't want to put the outside linebacker in too tough a situation, right? No. But then it keeps, it keeps the... Um, it's to the benefit of whoever does end up rushing that fourth rusher. So all that's to say is just Clint Hurts got these bag of tricks. He's like, yeah, the spacing isn't great, but I'm going to make it so that over the course of a game, I'm giving them as much of a chance as possible through, you know, what I'm scheming with the stunts and what I'm scheming with who's rushing and who's dropping so that they at least have the element of surprise to their advantage. Yeah. So it was really cool stuff. Well, and to this, yeah, to to like on a wider point, you know, they they had defensive issues, right? They sort of had to change a bit and fix them. And this was a game where I felt we saw some real building blocks, right? Yeah. And we saw some real variation in calls. You know, we saw the new nickel thing we spoke about. We saw the rush stuff you're talking about. We saw it really coming together. And we're saying, you know, Okay, they've added so much cover six, so quarter, quarter, half to remove that weak seam, as you've pointed out. Well, the worry with that is to the front side, how do you handle dagger, right? Like, how do you handle that? Um, and I feel like the pass rush was there in that it was pretty good. Like, if, the, if Herbert had gone through, you know, his first, maybe second read, the pass rush was there. Like, it was reliable. The rush and the coverage worked together so well. And there was rarely like an opportunity for Herbert to push the ball down the field uh, and get the access to coverage beater because every coverage can be beaten. And I don't think Lombardi called like the worst game. Like I think he actually, I know that it's like a really big point in in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Like they're a big check down offense or like not even check down. They just spam the intermediate, right? Mm-hmm. But I felt he actually tried to get some real uh, downfield beaters on tape. Uh, and, and get it get it done, but there was few mistakes from Seattle. But also the coverage was really helped by the rush, and obviously uh, vice versa. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just just so exciting to see it all sort of yeah, you know it's progress it again. It's starting to happen. Yeah, and and like when they did when they did say drop the the edge to the side of the nickel and played that cover three spacing, which is like a super flooded cover three. Where you're out, where two fifty guys your strong hook, and then and then yeah. Brooks is your weak hook, and Cody's your weak flat, or wh- whatever. No, it's not possible. Not Cody. Where Ryan Neal spins down to the weak flat, right? Yeah. Um, like their collective coverage is really good. Like, how many times did they actually run like Sale and and Kobe Bryant get leveraged that that Sale that out route, and then Brooks takes the final three through, and then you've got you know, Ryan Neal pushing accordingly, depending on the backfield distribution, like if it's strong flow or weak flow, but it's like, like, wow, they're, they're playing defense right now. 
Um, like they didn't give them anything easy um, with those those combinations, and some of them were pretty tough. Like that one throw that he did complete out of trips to sale when Herbert threw it to Everett, like that back shoulder adjustment. That's you are not completing that pass with the back shoulder throw. Like that only gets completed because Herbert realizes if this works, it's because I'm throwing on the back hip. And Gerald Everett made a great adjustment. Um, but it just kind of goes to show like that play wasn't open as designed, but Herbert gave it life um, to his credit. Um, but it just goes to show how well how well they're playing collectively and their zone drops and everything. Um, oh, yeah. That, so like that Ryan Neal interception, they're, they were playing quarter, quarter, half, right? So quarters yeah. to the strong side. And they just kind of ran like that. Um, it's not quite a Hank concept, but where the, 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 you get like a corner stop route, the swirl route, mm-hmm. then you have a flat route, and then you've got the middle, the middle sit route, right? So it kind of looks like curl flats with like a intermediate option, right? Um, so I mean, Ryan Neal as a because they're playing cover two to his side, and he doesn't have a seam to carry. He he can just pack the middle of the, the field to get depth in his zone, keep eyes on the quarterback. He doesn't have any other threat to worry about. So he, yeah, Maddie's got the picture up here. So he can just get depth, you know, just outside the hash. And then you've got Jordan Brooks realizing that his number two receivers up the field and three is to the flat. So he's just going to get depth up inside. Three's tipping. Three's not even flat yet. Yeah. 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 He's not fast. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Brooks is like, well, I'm going to stack my zone. And Neil's saying, you know, maybe I've got something from the week one, but I'll just stay outside the hash and read the quarterback. And then they both converged. I mean, if Neil didn't, it looked like that, cover three. Like when 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 the interception happened, it looked like cover three because they were like tightly packing as though like hook like, and hook. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that I, I think play. Herbert for his back to the flat would get matched by Neil as though he was a quarter flat player and playing on the cover four side. So absolutely. I think he thought pre-snap, okay, Seattle's playing half quarter quarter. Neil's going to go to the, like Neil won't be anywhere near the the picture and I only have Jordan Brooks to beat. But then like. And why would he think that? Well, pre-snap, Woolen always is showing press, whether it's four or six, sorry, whether it's six or eight, uh, quarter, quarter, half or half quarter, quarter. And Jackson's always pretty good at showing off. He's kind of the off yeah. corner and Woolen's a press corner, whatever. Very that's true. Um, so he doesn't know. Is he, he a know. flat defender or is he a you know deep, deep shell or deep quarter defender? Um, that's true. And that was a big theme last year with Ryan Neal showing press, or not Ryan Neal, DJ Reed showing press, right? And then coming off of it, and then them inter them intermixing cover two and cover four to that side, right? Yeah. So that that's to their um, the fact that okay, that's a great point, Maddie. Because everyone oh wow, knows, here we go. <laughs> everyone everyone knows now in the league, Tariq Woolen is a press monster, right? Mm-hmm. So they're always going to make assumptions about what's going on in the backside when they see press. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a great point. So they use that expectation, that assumption against the offense. Wow, deception, lies. Okay. I love it when they lie. Um, Me too. So I guess we should probably talk about players rather than talking about Nerdy Scheme real quick. We've touched on Nwosu. 
Uh, Irvin had a great game um, and, and played a lot. Like, uh, let me get his snap counts. But he like looked like he, he didn't look 35. He didn't look fresh off the street. Um, he was everywhere. And he was just hustling. And th- the whole team is hustling, right? Like, they're out there. For, uh, well, well, I swore. They're out there running and hitting. Um, they're out there flying to the ball. They seem more confident. But yeah, Irvin brought something, even in like bonus hooks, like dropping as Griffin described, like in, in their bonus fire zones and stuff. Like he he was he was doing some like impressive work. And uh, where's his snap count? Here we go. Bruce Irvin. 34%. Ah. It felt like he played more than that, but I guess that's because he showed up so much on early downs. And then he was in on passing downs where I expect to see Taylor. Anywho, um, Corner-wise, though, Jackson was fantastic. He was off a lot of the time, and he was often on the... the. It just so happened he he got a, his fair share of cover four snaps. Um, although, you know, saying that, they they played some cover two to side, of course, but uh, he he was often off, but his ability to, to break, stay over the top, be patient, and then he should have had a pick... Do you have a nice pass breakup? But he just looks really good and confident, and like he's kind of earning that. I know he's going to get pushed by Trey Brown, but like good for him. And then yeah. um, it seems to be clicking for him. And then uh, Woolen had a very quiet game. He was trying to uh, he he mixed up a, a different cover two technique where he man turned it and then looked back. So they were really trying to get Herbert to make a mistake, mm. but the ball just didn't come his way. Really, I mean, he had one nice pass breakup. Um, Diggs look good. Neil look really he, good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, back to Woolen really quick. So he had that mm. one that that in breaker that dig. It was drift or strike, right? Yeah, Play action dig. Like he he covered that up. They had the one deep shot that they tried on him, and he just was all over it. And Herbert was just giving the receiver a chance, but Woolen was all over it. Then he had that one. Well, he gave up the one touchdown on the the shallow route, but that was a tough concept, right? Yeah. Um. And then that other one that was really well defended, but the guy just came down with it. Um, the one where he and Kobe converged on it. Yep. Um, but anyway. Brooks was amazing. He's really benefiting from them just playing a bit better up front. He's running and hitting. Uh, Barton was good. So, yeah, very great defensive performance overall. And there's a yeah. few few coverage tools that they're doing uh, to mix things up in in their looks on the back end as well that we we haven't been able to talk about but i mean they'll keep doing them so look for yeah. those in a, in a different episode well um, one thing though i want to say like yeah cody barton gave up two receptions toward the end of the game he gave up the one at like weak side choice or maybe it was just an angle route or texas route for the running mm. back but and then he also had the one um the the, the touchdown right at the end of the game if you look mm-hmm. at that play though Ryan Neal's guys also equally open. So either of them yeah. could have given up the touchdown. The, the one that Cody gave up, tough route. Yeah, he gave it up. I think the point is like all those guys that you just mentioned all gave up a couple of completions this game. Like that's just yeah. that's just football to a point. Unfortunately, yeah. So when, when you have a player or two that you give up, but then you also have all these other positive plays as every other player did, it's like let's let's put it all in perspective but um call so a different coverage if you don't want to give that up there's no linebacker who covers Eckler like that right so that's just me white knighting for cody barton it's like there you go 
let's put it in perspective, gang. Anyway. The uh yeah. Okay. So good good defensive job of from you and the Seahawks. Now let's get to <laughs> the Giants. You too, Maddie. You too. Oh, thank you very much. I'll, I'll doff my cap. Um the Giants. The somehow only one lost Giants. And this is going to be interesting because all the stuff we've talked about, I don't know how much that transfers, especially in the like the defensive side to what New York does because mobile quarterback, power running game, probably heavier personnel, uh, not as much of a passing game threat, although a lot of kind of multiple concepts um, and kind of, what you may term cheese, you know, cheesy stuff, gimmicky stuff. And so, and they're kind of scheming their butts off out there. Um, so how, how much of like, what, what does the defensive game plan look like? That's going to be interesting because it For can't sure. just be, it can't be as vanilla as, as it was at the start of the season, just because they were working through some things, but also we don't really know what their kind of like base three, four stuff is beyond like, you know, the basic, basic stuff. So, I mean, agreed. Agreed. Um, when they play cover three, I don't think they can hold that shell very long. I think they need that guy in the box for the quarterback yep. run game. Um, and then just trust like their rules and coverage, um, you know, see what you can get away with, you know, like, cause they're playing cover three really well at the moment, but then do they have more answers? Will they play? Um, will we see like Robert or buzz rather? Um, well, yeah, because like in this past game, we saw them throwing a bit of digs coming and down into the strong hook. Right, like three buzz, right, strong yeah. buzz. Um, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, maybe we'll see more, like you said, more cover three variations. But then I'm really curious how they, how what they decide to do, like when they go nickel, what, what personnel and front blend are we going to see? Is it going to be the 5-1 stuff or the, the more – you know what we saw this game like the three three five well i'm calling what we've been calling three three five five one do we see like the four two five personnel but with you know the that we need the name for it yeah what is it called Mm. we'll find out who knows we'll find out and uh then on the other side of the football this could be a gino versus jacksonville game because they run a lot of man coverage and there's some kind of exotic pressures where you might get like checks into run plays, right? Um, like remember Penny against uh, Detroit, the two checks uh, on third and long situations. You'd also think that Martindale um, would coach his players to the point where, hey, if we're in third and long and we show this exotic front, expect run and they probably execute a bit better um yeah how, how do you see that playing out are you, are you on, on board with that or is this a tougher matchup for i Gino? think i think it can be i i think we I, I think they can handle this his numbers against the blitz haven't been great this year but that's been in the aggregate that's kind of because of um the games that have been bad have been really bad but then they have a handful of games that have been pretty good those at the same time right so it's and, kind of a like the 49ers game they got pressured a bit and they hadn't fully opened it up yet Mm-hmm. agreed and and what was let's remember what the uh response was the game plan adjustment against the cardinals in the second half it was running more 12 and 13 personnel right mm. um or more um 
22 and 13 personnel rather, and they were moving the ball. So with DK being out, that provides even more reason to lean all the way into it. Um, see if they can beat them at their own game, block it up and then play action them to death over it. Um, at the same time though, I think they handled a lot of the stuff from Dean Pease who knows Wink Martindale very well in the Falcons game. Right. So maybe this, although they had some issues going downfield on that, right? I guess Atlanta. Yeah. Didn't they? I'm trying like, to think. He, well, no, no, no. You're right. They, they didn't get the fade going at all. They had a couple of looks, and they just didn't connect. The looks were there. But with the what they did in the Lions game following that week mm-hmm. and, and like, how pointed they were about making it, taking advantage of it when it was there in this Chargers game, like, I think we'll see them just going for it when it's there. But then also – the Falcons game, when they did get explosive, it was that under center high cross concept, right? Like the deep over to lock yeah. it. And then I think, um, did we see Fant running it? Or was that, was that against um, the Cardinals? I think it might have been Arizona. Yeah. So I think they got that in there. But so back to your point about Jacksonville, though, most of the explosives they hit were those over routes and crossing routes. You know, like in that, there we go. In that exactly. 18 to 30 yard range. So I think so that's yeah, what we see this game. Giants have run the second most cover zero in the league. And hold on. I wouldn't do that against Tyler Lockett. Don't even think about the quarterback, for example. Like if whoever the quarterback is, I wouldn't play cover and zero. And the, the fourth Lockett. most cover one. Just remember when uh, the, the deep, one of, one of the deep posts against da- uh, Detroit. And Gino's, the third most two man, so they just love man coverage. I think Seattle eats on offense. There we go. I think it's I, that's, the wrong. That's what I. To be clear, when I said a Jacksonville game, that yeah, is what I was implying. Yeah, yeah, it's the wrong kind of blitz team to. If you look at Seattle's numbers and think, oh, they're bad against pressure, which they have been. This is not the type of team that they'll be bad against. Okay, so. Defensively, as we've already spoke about the defense, so you're not you're not listening to a crazy podcast. Well, we are kind of crazy, but um, are, are you? I didn't ask you how positive you feel about that or negative, um, because I'm a bit scared because mobile quarterback, yeah, gap running scheme, heavier personnel, Saquon Barkley. Okay, the you know, I panel. think I think they were pretty well situated actually for Trey Lance with what little we saw. Mm-hmm. I think I think they'll they'll yeah. have a similar game plan and it will work with the guys in the middle playing better for reasons that we know they're playing slightly different front with slightly different techniques, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think everyone else in the back seven coverage wise is just playing better, so and playing their rules better. So I I don't see why this game should get out of hand. You know, maybe I'll uh, I'll say the Giants don't score more than twenty points. So my guess my guess will be. Um, you know, barring no turnover or something like that, right, in the end zone or in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I, my guess is uh, 28-16 Seahawks. Nice. The The spread is the Seahawks are three-point favorites, which against a 6-1 and one team, even at home, is nice. Uh, and the over-under is 45. And you said, what, 28-16? Was that correct? Yeah. I say the Seahawks win... That's the under by one. There we go. I say the Seahawks win 31 
to seven. Fourteen. Okay. There we go. Thanks right. everyone for tuning in. Please, if you're watching right now, like the video. It's four ten a.m. here. I'm a nutter. I've gone off the rails. You are. If, if you're listening, please subscribe uh, if you haven't already and give us a five star review if you haven't already. Follow Griffin on Twitter at C Mike's Spin Move. Follow me on Twitter at Matty F Brown. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Seattle Overload. We appreciate you tuning in and we'll be back with live reaction from that Sunday game against the Giants. Also, please do comment uh, on the YouTube video. Let us know how this uh, format works. The whiteboard is, is still present, as you can see, but I feel the, uh, you know, if we could, maybe I could annotate some of these stills, we might be on something. But until then, thank you very much. Have a great evening. Morning, day, week, weekend, night, good night.